When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Manning back, steps up, heaves one down the middle of the field, into the end zone, and Mitch makes the catch for the touchdown! He went up with the big hands and caught it on the Hail Mary! On the final play of the half! When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Yes, that line falls on the right, babe. Ha! Not that Maggie. Where is he? Where is he? Oh, he's back, back in town. Look out, old Maggie is back. Yeah. Chris McMichael. Chris McMonigle here with you on the fan. I got you for three hours. You're not at work, so I got you till 5 o'clock in the warm-up show. 877-337-6666. Jack on the other side. And we're rolling with you on this Monday morning. How's everybody doing? How was the weekend? I haven't heard from you in a while. Or better yet, you haven't heard from me. Off a couple days, spent some time with the family. I'll tell you a couple things that happened. I had my first real moment of uh, nervousness. As a father, watching my son actually trying to accomplish something. We'll get into that. We'll have a little bump of baseball is back. You knew where I was starting. Am I starting with the Rangers unable to turn their winning streak into 11 games and break the franchise record? No, but we'll get there. We're not going to start with the football as the, the combine starts this week. We're going to start with baseball because I got to see Juan Soto hit for the New York Yankees. And I don't care about the uniform. I don't care if the pants are see-through. I don't care anything about that. Juan Soto was in a lineup for the New York Yankees. We got to see the Mets play baseball for a couple days. And we've seen baseball. It is back. And I'm pumped about it. And Juan Soto in this lineup. And let's start with the Yankees. We'll get to the Mets and the Sanga injury. We haven't gotten to that. Uh, I haven't been around. We'll get to that and what I think the, the Mets should do. You know what I think they should do. Same thing I think the Yankees should do. But neither of them are going to do it. But this Yankee team, you watch this team. A day. Two day, You know, just I'm telling you right now. If everyone's healthy, you got to feel good about this lineup. And just watching it, you can tell right away. Soto is going to bring such a presence. Obviously, hits the home run. Obviously, it's special. Fine. But beyond that, just watch him play. And, of course, you know, I said I tweeted this out watching the game. You know that on a one-year contract, and we're going to get to whether or not they can sign him. We're going to get to whether or not you know, everyone seems to think he's going to be a Met next year. We're still talking about that. Can we let the season play out before we decide where Juan Soto is going to be next year? But on a one-year deal. Right, As much as we fear injuries up and down this entire team, Stanton, obviously injury-prone, the starting rotation, forget about it. Everyone's a question mark outside of Cole. Worried about injuries here and there. Soto plays every single day, and you would think that that's someone you wouldn't be worried about with injuries. And yet, on a one-year deal, knowing he might not come back, knowing he could sign anywhere in the offseason, and knowing you traded away Michael King as well as a bunch of pitching depth that's going to hinder you this year because you know you're going to need seven, eight pitchers, nine pitchers to get through this season. You just know it. So the idea they traded away all that depth for one year of Juan Soto, the fear of injury is, it's overwhelming. 
Every time the guy steps to the plate, I'm going to be a little nervous because God forbid you trade for this guy and he gets hurt. I know that's pessimism, but it sinks into all of us. Don't say it doesn't. And the first hit bat, he has an awkward sing- swing and goes down to a knee, ends up being fine. But I'm telling you, that moment, it's just, it's going to live with us all year long. It's going to live with us all year long because this is the year. This is the year. And this is the lineup. And the depth and the balance of this team. Again, just watching it one day. Spring training. I get it. But you could see the him in front of Judge. And that's where I want to that's where I want to live. All right. I want to live Soto two, Judge three. Because Soto's best ability is to get on base. And you saw it walk in front of Judge, double. Leads to a, a ground ball for a run, sacrifice. Like that's they are that dynamic of Soto in front of Judge is deadly. And you've added obviously Verdugo, and you just feel you feel like the offense should be balanced. Gleyber Torres is back. You sh- you feel like the offense could be much better and will be much better with Juan Soto. And everything about this year, it's all in, it's all in. And that's why it's frustrating. But I want to tell you now, because I said I was off for a couple days. I'm on I'm on with BT on Wednesday, and I'm screaming, the Yankees are not getting Snell. The Yankees are not adding a starting pitcher. The Yankees are done. I don't care what Brian Cashman says. I don't care what Judge says. I don't care about pencils not being down. I don't care, Judge. I, don't, I would still expect moves. The Yankees are done. And then it's a flurry. Oh, my God. All of a sudden, everyone's we're, we're moments away. Snell is right. He's going to sign. But it's not going to happen. And you heard from Steinbrenner. And it's disappointing. Let me make this clear. I am frustrated with the New York Yankees when I look at this lineup and I get a feel for this team. And you look at, yes, we, saw, we got a glimpse, our first glimpse of Carlos Rodon on a mound. And he looked good. And he's throwing the ball well. And he looks in tremendous shape. And they talk about how he needs to work on being just a two-pitch pitcher. And he's going to work on a cutter. And he's going to work on this. And he's still throwing it. He's going to throw his curveball and change up more this year. And maybe he was showing, he was tipping his pitches or he was, you know, showing early what he was going to throw when you're a two-pitch pitcher. That's a problem. They have all the excuses for why last year was one of the more despicable and disastrous seasons. A, you know, a high-priced free agent coming to the New York Yankees. And that's a long list. One of the more disgusting seasons we've ever seen, from ineffectiveness to injury to not being able to deal with New York. I mean, you list the check, you you list the box of of ways it could a contract could fail coming to New York Yankees, and Carlos Rodon checked chuck, them off one by one. All right, and while I'm confident in the idea he can bounce back, and I am confident in the kind of pitcher he was the years before, and what he's been able to do and the strikeout rates and everything else and the ERA and the way he pitched the previous two years, and I'm confident in having some sort of resurgence in that. When you look at this rotation and you look at the the, the question marks and the injuries and the idea that the depth has kind of been – I mean, listen, there's some names they'll sell you on, and Will Warren and this one and that one. and You know, there's a bunch of guys coming up. Oh, Clark Schmidt should really make that next progression. The Yankees' rotation is in flux. There's no doubt about it. However you want to look at it, it could pan out and be great, or it could be a disaster. Both scenarios are equally plausible. You can't sell me on one and tell me the other one's extremely unlikely. They're both plausible. And that's not what you want on a one-year team in a window, which we talk about all the time, 
of Garrett Cole, the best pitcher in baseball, and Aaron Judge, the best hitter in baseball. And you've added Juan Soto, you've added Verdugo, you have Glaber Torres on a one-year deal, you have Holmes one more year, you have, you know, Kane Lee one more year in the bullpen. Like, this is a one, this is a team for this season. And yet, and yet, as much as that's obvious, and as much as you need to win a championship with those two guys I just mentioned, you can't have an era of Yankee baseball. Think about this for a second. You cannot have a legitimately long era, years, right? Cole's been here since 2020. I know that's a shortened season, but 2020, you are going to be looking at a six, seven-year period of those two guys in the middle of the New York Yankees at their prime, at their peak. You cannot have a window like that with the best pitcher in baseball and the best hitter in baseball and not win a championship. It's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. So as you look at this rotation, you have got to go out there and make sure you bolster it, and the Yankees are falling short. And it hit me today. And I understand why. And if you listen to Hal Steinbrenner speak the other day, you get it. Like, I don't know, unless you're just completely just nuts. Like, to the New York Yankees and to Hal Steinbrenner, and he said it over and over and over and over again, he's $300 million into this team. That's all in. He's over the last rung of luxury tax. He's over the Steve Cohen luxury tax. What more could you want from him? That's how the Yankees feel. The Yankees feel how Steinbrenner feels. I'm sure Brian Cashman feels. That they are all in, despite the calls from dopes like me and fans like you and whoever else wants to call in and talk about they need to be all in, they're not all in. But they feel that $300 million is all in. And as they talk about it, well, listen, any free agency addition is going to be extremely costly. It's something I'm going to have to look at. And Yeah, they don't believe they need to pay someone double to add to this team that they feel good about. And I know now the Bellinger contract is suddenly going to thrust everyone into the more of a frenzy. Like, hey, Bellinger, one of Boris's guys, and he's having a great winter, isn't he? I mean, Scott Boris is just having a tremendous offseason. His entire market has collapsed on itself. Nobody wants to do business with him. He's got all these top free agents, and he's forced. I mean, there were talks about Bellinger getting $250 million at the start of this offseason. And he signs a three-year deal worth 80. He's going to get $30 million this year. And he's got opt-outs after every year. That is a miserable contract for a former MVP who had an incredible season last year, who everybody was talking about was the second best hitter on the market next to Otani. And he's going to get $250 million. And he's forced to do this. So, hey, hey, hey. Maybe Scott Boris is in the, the deal-making business now. Maybe Scott Boris is in this kind of, you know, Snell would be willing to take a deal like that. Wouldn't that fit what the Yankees are trying to do? And No, it wouldn't. And I'll tell you why. One, I don't think Snell would be willing to take that kind of contract. You know why? He's a pitcher. Anything can happen. And the difference between Bellinger and Snell, Bellinger is 28 years old he is 28 he might be willing to take that one-year deal and re-hit the market at 29 as a an athletic 
center fielder slash first baseman. You know, I mean, there is still if there if the market this year didn't work, he's probably willing, and obviously he is, and he wanted to get into camp, and he's going back to a place now he knows he was successful last year in Chicago at Wrigley, so he feels good about it. He'll hit the market again at 29. That's still a year at the at the at the minimum younger than almost 90% of free agents. If he has another good year, his market could blossom next year. And he's coming off one good year after four. Now, I know Snell didn't have a great... Snell's coming off a Cy Young year. And Snell is 31 years old. Snell is a pitcher in a world where every single pitcher gets hurt. I refuse to believe. I understand he wants to get into camp. I understand that, you know, you don't want to be this last man standing. The market's collapsed. No one's willing to deal with Boris. You know, other clients like Bellinger are taking these short-term deals with, you know, uh, you know, really disappointing returns to what they were promised at the beginning. I don't think Snell would turn around and take this kind of deal. I really don't. Not at 31. Not off a year that it's impossible to, re- to, to redo. Uh, a year that it's impossible to duplicate. And even if he was, the New York Yankees, and I don't know how many times it needs to be said, Hal Steinbrenner pretty much came on and told you he is not paying. If he gets $30 million this year, it's $63 million that he has to pay for Snell. He's not doing it. And furthermore, we can scream about all in. He traded for Juan Soto. He got Verdugo. He went out and got a very talented middle-of-the-rotation pitcher in Stroman to settle this rotation. And any questions you or I may have, that's all in for the New York Yankees. All in is not every single free agent. All in isn't the best player at every position. All in should be $300 million and over the final luxury tax threshold. And that's for the New York Yankees all in. So it's not good enough for me. It's not good enough for you. But it still can be good enough to win. And this Yankee team, as you look at it, and you see Soto standing up there and hitting opposite field dingers, in his first game in the New York Yankees, and you know the, the the stage is not too bright, the situation isn't too big, the pinstripes aren't too heavy. And him and Judge and the rest of this lineup, which without question has been the absolute death knell of this team. It's not been the pitching. The pitching stunk, stunk, stunk last year. We saw what Severino did. Obviously, Rodon, uh, the injury to Nestor. The rotation wasn't any good besides Cole. At the end of the year, you got, uh, you know, uh, Michael King transitioning and became an excellent starting pitcher, but he's gone. And it still wasn't the problem. The problem was this offense. And while it had a great first half of 2022, and while we have seen, you know, big time, uh, you know, regular seasons from this offense for the first time in a while, for the first time in years. It feels like there is another superstar, without question, paired with Judge in the middle of the lineup. There is balance all the way through. There is a good mix of youth and veterans with hopefully Wells emerging as the main starting catcher. You know what Volpe can be. Dominguez is on his way back. I mean, hell, Soto's probably younger than all of them. It's crazy how young he is. 
I love the feel of this offense. Just watching it for a day, I'd love getting a chance to see to see Judge follow a double off of a Soto walk. This team is going to be fun. This offense is going to be different. How will the starting pitching be? Because you're looking at it. Make no mistake. And did you like Spencer Jones' 470-foot home run the other day? I know we didn't get to see it live on TV, but the big prospect that they wouldn't trade for Burns, a big prospect that they that Chicago is insisting on being a part of a cease trade. That big-time prospect the Yankees don't want to pair with is a young six, seven-foot stud who in his first game in Yankee spring training hit the ball 470 feet. They're not trading him either. So you can cross off the trades off the list because right now it sounds like that's going to be included in any trade that the Yankees want to make. They're going to, the Chicago White Sox are going to insist. The Cleveland Guardians are going to insist. They are not trading Spencer Jones. Not with the prospect of possibly losing Juan Soto in the offseason, who everybody's already assured he will go to the Mets like it's a guarantee. So, as we start this baseball season, the Yankees lineup should be better. I wish the Yankees were more all-in, but they're all-in as far as they're concerned. The rotation's going to have to be good enough, and it can be. They are not getting Blake Snell. They are not trading for another starting pitcher. This team is whole heading into the season, maybe looking to upgrade at the trade deadline. But baseball's back. Juan Soto's a Yankee, and everybody else can stick it. 877-337-6666. We'll get to the Mets and the Sanga injury. You know what I think they should do. I'll give you a hint. He's a starting pitcher available in free agency, and his name isn't Blake Snell. That's what the Mets should do. We'll get to that. We'll get to the Rangers and the Knicks. We'll get to the football and the Giants and how they should draft a quarterback, something else you know how I feel strongly about. And we'll have some fun over the next two and a half hours. We're going to with you all the way to 5 o'clock in the warm-up show, 877-337-6666. That's the number to call, and I'll take your calls. When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan. And the ball game's over, and the Giants have won Super Bowl 46. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Yeah, baseball is back. Bum, bum, bum. Are you into the spring training games? I get, I listen, it's it's not quite uh I watch more of the spring training games than I do I don't, you know I than preseason football. Preseason football I really don't care about. The spring training games it's still, you know, judge at bat. I got to see 3 Juan Soto at bats today. And then you move on. You see some of the prospects, you see some of the different things, but it's still like the game. I don't know, the football games are tougher to watch for me. But it's that same feeling where you can't wait. Today was a big day. First Yankee game televised. Tried to get my my son to watch it. He was half into it. We've been playing a little bit more of the video game. MLB the show. So he's starting to get into it a little bit more of the baseball. Uh, but still, you know, it's spring training. But you get to see Juan Soto in this lineup. And good enough for me. It was a good day. We saw the Mets as well. And let's just, you know, let, let's get to that uh, as well. Because, you know, I've been killing the Mets. Killing them. I hate how they've treated this season. I get the plan, and I'm on board with the plan. Building for the future is not a stupid thing. 
I'm okay with it. I understand the tactics being deployed by David Stearns right now. But there are caveats, and there are ways to also provide your team with a season. And this Kodai Sanga injury, I'm sorry. It's an absolute disgrace. It's an absolute disgrace if the Mets don't run to go sign Montgomery. I don't understand. Explain to me. Again, I've been saying Montgomery. Not, that was before the Kodai Sanga injury. I mean, who knows when he's going to throw again? I understand there's a timetable. Sure, April, April is out the window. We all know that. Could it be May? Could it be late May? I saw one doctor that was making the rounds. I don't know. He thinks that, you know, maybe he'll he'll be in the major leagues by mid to late June. This rotation's a di- disaster to begin with. Like Severino threw today. Oh, Severino's throwing 96 miles an hour. Great. I hope he's great. He was throwing 99 last year as he was giving up eight runs a game. And I'm not knocking Severino, and I like the signing as a Back of the rotation, maybe he'd be good, not count on, not be there now, now looking, need, rely him to be at least number two. It's, 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 it's a devastating injury for a guy, let's be honest, right? Who isn't, who, who struggled with throwing on the every fifth day anyway. Like that's, that's, uh, you know, Sanga had a great, season last year. Had a great first year with the Mets. Has has proven to be really solid. Proven to be tough. Uh, proven to get out of jams. Pitch, and pitch well in the bigger games. Like, I, you know, when they needed him. I like Kodai Sanga. I think he's an excellent pitcher. But it's tough to rely on someone as your ace when he does, you know, because of all the years he pitched on the extra day rest where it took him a while to get used to pitching on fifth-day rest, and now he's had a, a shoulder strain here where it's going to take a while. Like, this season is important. This season is important. I mean, sure, if you just look at it with, like, this sort of blind optimism that they're going to sign Pete, they're going to sign Juan Soto, and next year they're going to be the best team in the National League right there with the the, the Dodgers and Braves and... Anything is possible. The world is their oyster. Yeah, okay. If you want to have that, you know, pie-in-the-sky view, okay, great. At, even if you do, does that mean this season is meaningless for the Mets? The second this injury happened, and then you parlay it with the Bellinger contract and the idea that now the market is completely collapsed, and I get it. I, I I think pitchers are different. I just said it in the open. I don't think you can necessarily correlate what Bellinger was willing to take with what these pitchers are going to be willing to take. But there's no question the market's collapsing on some level. And Steve Cohen is not the Yankees. And the Yankees have made additions to this team that should make them far better. The Mets have done nothing to this team. And now they've lost Sanga for the... Let's just conservatively say the first two months of the season. Go sign Montgomery. I don't know. I don't understand not attempting to do it. What? I? He doesn't cost you any picks. He doesn't have the qualifying offer attached to him. We talked about this a lot. So he's not going to cost you any picks. It's just money. That's what Steve Cohen has. 
They're going to need to fill rotation spots next year. Montgomery is just hitting his stride. He's going to be part of your championship window. He's still going to be a good pitcher when you're looking to make moves next year, the year after. Like, I don't understand what the – I listen, I don't like that the Yankees have drawn a line in the sand. And I think they have. When they have to pay double for every dollar once they've hit that, lo- that's that's it for them. The Steinbrenners don't. The Hal Steinbrenner does not believe in throwing thirty million dollars into the pool for other p- teams to drink from. He doesn't believe it, and he believes that three hundred million dollars is good enough to win. But he's also just added Juan Soto, Verdugo, and revamped his lineup and paid for a starting pitcher last year who's still on the team. I understand they signed Verlander. I understand they signed Scherzer. He's not pitching for the Mets. Neither of those guys are pitching for the Mets. At least the the Yankees and Hal Steinberg can say, I gave $160 million to Rodon last year. And he's still here. He's still part of the team. I'm not paying for to jettison him so I can take back prospects, which was a great move. But ultimately, it's this season. Does it, I, the idea that this season is now just, you know, whatever. Hey, listen, there's a chance There's a chance they're better than you think. There's a chance they're worse. And you know what? You could say whatever you want. And I know uh, a lot of people hit me with it on Twitter for whatever reason. Randy Miller, who covers the Yankees, was on with Ricky Ricardo today talking about Juan Soto to the Mets is uh, almost a short thing. He's not going to sign with the Yankees. We'll get to it. But you can tell me up and down until you're blue in the face that Juan Soto's going to be a Met or this one's going to be a Met and the Mets will go spend money. We just, I talked about this with BT on Wednesday. You've seen Yamamoto turn down Met money, the same money as the Dodgers. You see the reports are he was offered more money from Philadelphia turned it down. Aaron Judge turned down the same, pretty much the same contract from San Francisco that he took with the Yankees. He turned down more money from San Diego to stay with the Yankees. You have to sell these players. The big-time great players, Juan Soto's going to have his choice. Now, at a certain amount of money, it's not about the extra $10 million, $20 million. Having the biggest checkbook might not get you the player because these other teams are coming close. All right, they can't quite keep up with you, but they can get high enough where the team can say, oh, or the player can say, I'd rather just be here. I feel more comfortable here. And if you tell me that Juan Soto has an excellent year with the Yankees, and let's just, like, let's forego the pie in the sky, win the World Series, win an MVP, World Series MVP, all that. 50 home runs in the short porch. Let's just have, he has a good solid year, similar to last year. And the Yankees play in the ALCS. Is he going to leave that to join the Mets who might have back-to-back 70-something win seasons? And he's playing playoff games in the Bronx, and he looks over and sees the ballpark dead in the beginning of August in Queens. He's just going to go, oh, yeah, I'll go there. They'll they'll throw me another $30 million? Sure, I'll, I'll go there for $30 million. This season matters. Playing good baseball matters. Winning baseball games matter. 
especially when you have an owner with unlimited pockets. And I thought they should have signed Montgomery before the Kodai Sanger injury. Now I just, I, I, what's the stubbornness? I heard, you know, I'm watching the Met game and Stearns is on and they ask him about splashy moves. And he's like, look, splashy moves are great. I like splashy moves. I like making big splashes. I'd be, I, I was all in. We were all in Yamamoto because we thought it made sense. You know, th- that's great. That's great. Montgomery's not going to make any, you know, Montgomery isn't clearing the pool. All right? Montgomery isn't the biggest splash you've ever heard. Montgomery's a stabilizing force to a rotation that's in pieces. That you're counting on guys having, you know, career bounce backs after multiple years of struggles. That now your ace, who really wasn't even an ace to begin with, is now going to miss two months. This season matters, bro. And I don't understand why the Mets aren't treating it as such. Now, look, is there a chance the offense is better? Absolutely, there's a chance the offense is better. Uh, Obviously, I think, hopefully, a motivated uh, Pete Alonso has an absolute monster of a year. Hopefully, a healthy Marte reverts back to the player he was two years ago. Hopefully, Nimmo has a good year. Hopefully, McNeil, who over the last four years or so has been on this trend of, you know, really, you know, high batting average year, low, you know, crappy year, great year, crappy year. He's on trend for a great year. If he hits 320 to go along with Alonzo hitting 55 home runs and a healthy Marte, and hopefully, you know, ba- you know Beatty, you know, finds himself and Vientos can at least hit some home runs. And Lindor has another Lindor-type season, sure. And obviously Alvarez, who hits a home run in the game, I think is going to be an absolute stud. Yes, there's a chance this offense is better than we're giving it credit for. And they did add some pieces to the bullpen. It might be the strongest piece of their team. But that rotation is falling apart. And this Met team won 70-plus games last year, and I don't know, know any reason why I would expect them to win anymore. And I'm just flabbergasted by the way the Mets are treating this. I I don't understand it. Go add a starting pitcher. Go do it. The minute Sanger went down, they should have been on the phone with Boris, whose market is falling apart, who's embarrassing himself. I mean, the the winter Scott Boris has had has been... for, For those of us who... I don't have any ill will towards Scott Boris, I guess, but it's just, it's funny, you know, the guy who's up there making puns every uh, winter meetings and holding this offseason hostage and signing every big-time free agent that comes down the pike is is struggling like this and watching Bellinger after, you know, hearing he was going to get $250 million while watching Yamamoto, a non-client of his, come out and it begins with, oh, you know, he probably may make 180. Okay, maybe he'll make 200. Oh, maybe he'll, he ends up with 325. And all the players you had who were supposed to get these enormous contracts are either unsigned or taking miserable contracts. That's a one-year deal for Bellinger. Bellinger signed a one-year prove-it deal. Another one. He just signed one, went out and proved it. Now he's got to do it again. I mean, this time for instead of 18 million, he's making 30, but still, it's a prove-it year. Call him. 
Ask him what it takes to get Montgomery here. Do it. Do it now. But, yeah, I mean, listen, I saw the 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 home run for Alvarez. I think Alvarez, I know he had an up-and-down season last year. I think it's, he's a, you're talking about a rookie catcher. You're talking about a rookie catcher who's, you know, who caught a lot of games, you know, through losing, through the dog days of the summer. It comes and goes. Offense, and I thought he was way better defensively than what we heard or what we thought he was going to be. I mean, that was the reason he wasn't called up yet. Offensively, he's ready. Offensively, he's ready. You want to make sure... Defensively, he's ready. I thought he was great defensively, and you listen to him talk. He talks about winning. He seems like a leader. I, you know, I think you could. I think you know Alvarez is going to be an amazing player for the Mets. I think he's. I think you should put him right in the middle of that lineup. I was listening to um, Evan a little bit coming in uh, on the Rico Bronya podcast and talking about the Met lineup and how he envisions it. I could absolutely. He sees. Alvarez is the cleanup hitter to give Alonzo. He sees Nimmo, Lindor, Alonzo, Alvarez. I could absolutely see that. I absolutely could see that. I think he's going to be an absolute stud. But the offense might not be the problem. This rotation is a disaster. It's an absolute disaster. And with that injury to Kodai Sanga, it's terrible news. I don't know how long he's gone. And even, I mean, if you were hoping on on Severino being, you know, a bounce back year, you would have to assume it might take some time. I, I guess there's a chance he comes right out the gate on fire, but I would think you want him to settle in a little bit. New team, I know it's the same city, but new team, new environment, working on things probably, trying not to tip pitches. Like, you probably wanted him to ease himself in. Now he's being thrusted into the top of this rotation. And Montgomery's just sitting there. Please, Met fans, 877-337-6666. Explain to me how you're okay with this rotation. Explain to me how you're okay losing this season. Explain to me how you're okay with your richest owner in baseball not going out there and getting Montgomery. It doesn't cost them picks. It doesn't hurt the plan. There's no reason it hinders their ability to continue to build this thing from the ground up, which is 100% the right way to go. And I'm not saying get every single free agent and do and and you know do what the Yankees are trying to do or what they should do and coming up just short on. Like, you don't have to go get Blake Snell and Montgomery, although they could use both of them. But I'm not expecting that. Didn't expect you to go trade for Soto. Didn't expect you to sign Bellinger. But Montgomery doesn't hurt at all. He doesn't hurt the plan at all. All he does is give you a chance this season. To have a, a, a stabilizing force in that rotation. Why on earth is he not a Met?
When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Play fake, Jones rolls left, throws left, wide open for the touchdown is Bellinger. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Ah, yes. The Combine is coming this week. It starts today. Uh, A couple of quarterbacks, you know, Williams won't work out. Daniels won't work out. Some uh, the other quarterbacks will work out at the Combine. You know, they have pro days. You know, this is where the time where, you know, everyone, you could see it now. You could feel it coming. It's already started, really. But, you know, J.J. McCarthy is going to be a name that suddenly is going to get thrusted into every conversation. A guy that really hasn't been. A guy that, you know, Michigan didn't really need to throw the football that much. And he's been, you know, kind of maligned through this process. But I'm sure as he throws, you can hear, oh, J.J. McCartney won games. The quarterbacks are going to start to rise in this draft, and as they do every single year. And specifically for the New York Giants, who I guess that's the question, because the Jets aren't going to draft a quarterback. I mean, we just know that. At 10, they're not drafting a quarterback. Nor should they. They have Aaron Rodgers. They're in an all-win, all-in win right now this second type of atmosphere, and they need to put the best team around Aaron Rodgers this year. But the Giants, the Giants have the option, right? The thought is, I was listening to uh, the interview uh, with Laurie as I was driving in, and and I've heard this before. The thought is, is that there are three top-level quarterbacks that could be franchise quarterbacks at the top of this draft, obviously Williams, May, and Daniels. And then there's the three wide receivers that can be number one Stud wide receivers. And the Giants, obviously, with six, can get one of them. Now, obviously, offensive line is such a need for the Giants. You could see them going with Alt. Uh, you could see them, you know, clearly going with a, an offensive lineman. But it's it feels like you want to, you know, to me, it's get a quarterback or get a wide receiver. And I, I agree with that sentiment because they need game-changing players. You can find, I mean, again, I understand drafting offensive linemen. And I'm not against it by any means. But we've seen that fail, too. I mean, Evan Neal was a top pick. Like, we've seen it fail. Typically, wide receivers, you feel, you know, for the most part, top of the draft wide receivers, you need game-breaking players in this league. So we'll see what the Giants do. We'll see what the Jets do. The combine starts this week. Apparently, um, Robert Sala won't be there. I don't know if that's news or not. I don't think he's ever been to one. I don't know. I I find them particularly unappealing. I, I really don't care how how fast someone runs a 40. I understand that guys and their athletic ability matter. And there have been guys who have been, you know, rightfully so moved up a draft board because of how they performed here. And then come the NFL, when you need to be a superior athlete, they surprise you and play, you know, and become great NFL players. But ultimately I care more about how they play the game of football than how they run in underwear, which is the cliche joke, but it is kind of what it is. But for me, you know where I stand. The New York Giants, and I don't care. Oh, they have so many holes to fill. How do you trade away picks? I don't care. I don't care how many holes they have to fill. I don't care. That's how I feel about it. If you don't have a quarterback, nothing else matters. The Giants don't have a quarterback. They have to go get one. May is working out with Eli Manning. Right? He'd be perfect. I don't know if other – I mean, Drake May would be perfect. He's working with Eli Manning. He's a pocket passer. He stands tall in the pocket. He throws the football. Like, that's – it would be perfect. Now – can they trade up? Are the Patriots willing to move? 
Uh, is Washington willing to move if that would possibly get them? It would certainly get them one of the top three. But that's what the Giants should do because I'm I'm done with Daniel Jones. I'm just done with him. And that's what Joey wants to talk about. What's up, Joey? How you doing there? Uh, good evening. Good evening. Oh, good good morning. morning. How are you? How are you doing? I'm doing well. Everything good? I'm doing good. Hey, you, you're right about the Yankees. Just said, I'm not worried about the Yankees. It's the Giants, okay? All right. The first three quarterbacks are going to go, May. And, but the Michael, the guy from Washington, um, Michael, what's Penix. his name? Let's say, yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy, if, he, if he's available, he's not only could throw the bomb. He, he's accurate, you know. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Jones is not accurate. Da- Daniel Jones is not accurate when he throws the bomb. He throws it either too far or too <clears throat> short, and and he runs like which makes him going to get hurt. This guy, uh, Michael, he he stays in the pocket and he's lefty. You know, a lot of defensive backs don't like lefty quarterbacks. You know, it's a different angle. I like this guy. He was thirteen and zero for Washington State. I mean, go. I mean, you know, they might have lost to you know Michigan, but. He did play. He did play. Here's the thing. He's older. He's older, and he's got history of knee injuries already. Oh, so yes, he's got. He's got. He's got. He's got injury issues. He's got injury issues. He's older. Now, listen. I'm not saying they can't take him. I don't know if he. I don't know if he's going to be six. He might. I mean, he'll be there at six, is what I'm saying. I don't. I think you could get him later. I, I don't know if and if they value him much more than some of these other quarterbacks in that second tier, below the top three. That I mean, I guess I'd be. You know, I could see the Giants doing taking a wide receiver and offensive lineman with six, and then trading back into the back end of the first or taking a quarterbacks in the second round. Uh, I don't think. I think we'll see, and we'll see how he works out. I believe he is going to work out at the combine, so we'll see how he throws. And, you know, we'll hear all the pundits talk about, oh, he, had, he did this, he did that. Listen, he was terrific for them. He was terrific. He was the second. He was the runner-up in the Heisman Trophy. He had a tremendous year. He had an incredible playoff game and then was awful against Michigan. It, but that even that secondary, because I do think, he, you know, you watch him play football, he can play football. And I agree with you. Daniel Jones, I don't know if he's completely in, inaccurate throwing the ball down the field, but it's not his strength. I mean, he's got the arm for it. Uh, but not only is he not, he just doesn't do it. I mean, that's that's the thing about Daniel Jones that bothers me. He doesn't do it. You watch the games. You watch you know different. You watch guys come in for him. You watch uh, Tyrod Taylor come in, and suddenly they're throwing the ball down the field. I don't know why Daniel Jones isn't. And stop giving me the easy answer of well, the offensive line was better. No, it was the same offensive line. Ty- Tyrod Taylor was running for his life just as much as Daniel Jones was, but yet he was able to throw the football down the field and have Hyatt have a hundred have receiving yards. He got Hyatt a hundred receiving yards. I mean, I'm just I'm done with Daniel Jones. I'm done with him. I'm done, and it's not just all his fault. Agree, we all agree. You know the the, the team let him down in many ways, no doubt about it. But now, I mean, it's just it's enough years. He's injury prone. Uh, he's injured every single year. He, I mean, besides last year when they went to the playoffs and he had that great game against Minnesota in the playoffs, I'll never take it away from him. He was brilliant in that game. But, I mean, every single year. And now it's a neck injury and a blown-out knee. I mean, I, I just – it's time to draft a quarterback. Time to draft a quarterback. Steve in Long Island. What's up, Steve? Hey, C-Mac. How you doing? Good, buddy. How are you? I'm doing well. I uh, disagree with you. Uh, 
uh, on your analysis of uh, football. Okay. Line of scrimmage, controlling line of scrimmage, both defensive line and offensive line wins football games. As great as Patrick Mahomes is, yep. as great as the elite quarterback, so I'm not even going to talk about wide receivers. There are a dime a dozen after your elite receivers, and you can certainly win with uh, average uh, wide receivers, as Kansas City has shown. Yep. But well, if you don't with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. If you don't control the line of scrimmage, Offensively and defensively, with Chris Jones and Sune and Humphrey, etc., mm-hmm. you are not winning football games. And an elite quarterback, yes, if the Giants can get an elite quarterback, you take them. Yeah. But if the if their if their analysis shows that the elite quarterbacks are gone, and the choices between Alt or uh, Harrison or another wide receiver. You gotta go with the uh, offensive line. Yeah, I, I dis I disagree with you. I disagree with you because there's no. I mean, there's no proof. I like, you know, they Andrew Thomas uh, is a great left tackle. How's he impacted the offensive line in New York Giants? Have That's they been good? Player, well, I mean, yeah. Well, then they drafted they drafted Evan Neal. How did that work out? They drafted well, Aaron, yeah, I, they I drafted would, Hernandez would, in the second round two two years ago. They drafted Flowers with the ninth overall pick. Like, I'm just saying, like you can you can be wrong on if you. The, the game-breaking wide receiver has impacted this league. You might want to say, oh, you're winning the trenches. I get it. You need an offensive line. There's different ways to get offensive linemen. A lot of it's about coaching. A lot of it's about scheming. Like, you look at some of the great offensive linemen. Yeah, the Dallas Cowboys a couple years ago had first-round pick after first-round pick. That's how they dedicated and built a great offensive line. You look at a lot of the other offensive lines, which, by the way, Kansas City has an okay one, a pretty good one, but not a great one. Uh, you know, you you can build it through free agency. You can build it through adding veteran pieces, and you coach them up and you block. Like I just, I don't, I don't think they have to. I wouldn't listen. I'm not going to kill the pick if they take old. That's fine. They need an offensive lineman. Don't doubt. I'm not saying they do. They don't. But I'd rather. I'd probably rather have the game breaking wide receiving give, player. Give me in the last twenty years mm-hmm. one great offensive tackle who was not a first round draft pick. You can't name uh, yeah. one. I'd have to think about it, but that 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 might be true. That might you be true. Can't name one, and this goes back to Anthony Munoz in 1980, mm-hmm. all the way till 2024. Okay. The How many championships pack. did he win? Well, they they made they did go to the Super Bowl. Okay, uh, I'm just saying. I mean, give me the left tackles and show me how many Super Bowls they've won. The great offensive linemen, both guards, but even more tackles, mm-hmm. they are draft picks. Now, of course, you can have bust. The Giants drafting of offense, I agree with you, it's been it's been awful. Yep. But Daniel Jones was the first-round pick, too, and he was a bust. So you're going to say don't select a quarterback because he was a bust. Well, the Jets have selected bust after bust. Yeah, but, yeah but I've, because I've seen, because when they get it right, when they draft Eli Manning, they win two Super Bowls. They got it right. With Saquon Barkley, he's a great running back. What did it do for them? They got it right with Andrew Thomas, great left tackle, top three or four left tackles in the sport. It didn't even improve the offensive line, let alone the team winning. When they yeah, drafted, yeah. when they get right with Eli Manning, they go in win Super Bowls with guys well, like think, with guys well, like with, with with guys like uh, you know, jeez, um, oh, I'm drawing a blank. Um, Snee was the only draft pick, really. David Deal wasn't a top, top draft pick. Uh, Kareem McKenzie they got in free agency. Uh, you know, what they got uh, Sean O'Hara from Cleveland in free agency to play center. Rich, Rich Soybert. Like, that's, that's the great offensive line that won a Super Bowl for the New York Giants. They, they don't, you don't, you know, you don't have to go out and draft Rich Soybert. Like, they, there's ways to go around it. He was a number two pick out of Penn State. 
But, um, you know, you're explaining quarterbacks. Yes, I agree with you. Quarterback is the most important position. Right. And a great quarterback lifts, as Mahomes has shown and others have shown, sure. lifts the whole offense. But if you don't have an offensive line, even if you're Mahomes, if you're running for your life every mm-hmm. play, you're going to get killed, you're going to get hurt. Uh, and your offense is going nowhere. The well, I mean, I, I agree with that. I don't think there's. I think you could look at every aspect. You can say, listen, without a, without a, with the worst defensive backs in the league, you're not going to be able to stop the pass. Without, without the, I mean, there's always. Um, I'm not trying to diminish what the line of scrimmage means to a team or what the offensive line means to a team. We're discussing the best way to go about getting impact players and helping the Giants. And I don't think, while, yes, you clearly have to impact the offensive line, it doesn't mean you have to take it with the sixth overall pick. If there's a game-changing, game-breaking wide receiver at that spot, one, I think they're more easily um, scouted. It it, it feels like every time a big-time wide receiver hits the market – or hits the draft and they get him. It's he typically, it feels like recently, hits. Whether it's Jamar Chase, uh, whether it's um, what's his name in Minnesota, uh, Jeff Jefferson in Minnesota. Like these guys typically become Smith, uh, Devontae Smith in 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 Philadelphia. Like they typically become big game breaking players. Where offensive linemen, okay, I mean, I can find off, I can figure out, uh, they just hired a new new offensive line coach. And again, I'm not diminishing how important the offensive line is, nor am I saying the Giants absolutely cannot draft an offensive lineman. What I'm saying is it's not, it doesn't have to be, oh, go get an offensive lineman. Hell, get two. I want the first pick offensive lineman, second pick offensive lineman, third pick. You got to get the offensive line right or it doesn't matter. No, you got to get the quarterback right or it doesn't matter. Everything else is subject to debate. And if they believe that they have a game-breaking wide receiver on the team uh, in the draft, then that's just as uh, – it's it's on the same level with me as offensive line. It's I, 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 I view it as the same. You want to take one or the other, I'm up. To me, it's go get a quarterback. If not, wide receiver, offensive lineman, shutdown corner, all the same to me. All the same. You need them all the same. I, it, we're being it's it's recency bias on the disaster that has been the Giants' offensive line, and there's other ways to fix it. It doesn't have to be the sixth pick in the draft. It can be. I'm open to it. Certainly not going to. If they take him, great. Let's hopefully he fixes the offensive line. If they don't, I'm not going to go. Oh my God! Don't you realize the offensive line's your problem? Everything's their problem. But to me, when you don't, when when the problem's the quarterback, you only have one problem. I want to fix that problem. That's the problem I'd like to fix.